0: Let's go ahead and pray Blessed Father I thank you for another day to come and to gather to not neglect the assembling of ourselves but meeting to stir up one another to love and good works and by Jesus Christ to offer our sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips that confess your name. And now as we enter into that portion of worship, the preaching and the hearing of the word of God, I pray that you would be with this preacher and with The listeners alike. That you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. For I cannot preach without your Spirit. We cannot hear. We cannot receive without your Spirit. And I need to be hearing this just as much as anyone else. So may it come with power. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we turn to our text, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew Chapter Seven, Matthew Chapter Seven is the end of Jesus sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21, and the Word of God reads, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So this is Jesus himself. He is telling us. It's as if he looks forward to the day of judgment. He's like there will be many people. that will live their entire lives. They will be so convinced, so persuaded that they were Christians. They are excited to see who they call their Lord, Jesus Christ. Only to be turned away from him. And why? Well, we see in verse 21, it's because they did not do his will. Verse 23 tells us what this will is when he says, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So they called him Lord. They were so convinced they were Christians, but their entire life, They just cast off his law. Now, it's not my purpose to go back into the Sermon on the Mount and look at the law of God other than to go back a few verses because Jesus actually sums up his teaching on the law of God. But if you back up and look at verse 12, he says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So he sums up his law and he says one principle. Whatever you want men to do to you, do to them. This is the law and the prophets. The apostles, when they're preaching on this, they say it like this. Love is the fulfillment of the law. So we can really read verse 23 like this. And then I will declare to them. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lovelessness. You had no love in your heart. You didn't treat others as you wanted to be treated. Our brother Jeff read the passage that we're dealing with. A few weeks ago, I dealt with the first attribute of love. There, love is patient. Today, Lord willing, I would like to look at love is kind. But similar to last week, I I want to go and get a picture of this, but this time I would like to take us back to the Old Testament. But before I do that, this word kindness, I believe it is so cheapened, you know, and it's in our understanding today. What does kind mean? Oh, it's the opposite of mean. You know, oh, be kind. But this word actually is so rich. There's actually no English equivalent for this Greek word. This word actually means to be serviceable. It means to be suitable. It means uh, benevolent, beneficial, productive, useful, well-fitted, gentle. This word is actually translated many different ways by our English Bibles. For example, this word is used in Luke chapter 5 when Jesus is speaking of how the religious leaders, how they rejected his ways for the old. And he says, no one, after drinking the old wine, immediately desires the new. For he says, the old is, most translations say, better or good enough. But the word actually is kind in the sense that it's suitable. It's good enough. Another time, Paul uses it in 1 Corinthians 15. He's speaking to the Corinthians and they're keeping company with these people, these teachers that are teaching them false things about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in verse 33, Paul says, you know, bad company corrupts most people say good morals, that word is actually kind. It's used by Peter when he's speaking of how Christians should desire the word. And he says, like newborn babies we're to desire the pure milk of the word that we may grow thereby, if indeed we have tasted that the Lord is, most say, gracious or good. I think that NAS is the only translation that says kind. But the word there is actually the Lord is kind. If you've tasted that the Lord is kind, therefore desire, long for the milk of the word of God. So we can read that into this text. So on the last day, many will come. Lord, Lord, let us in. We, we, preach, we preach these great sermons in your name. We've cast out demons in your name. We've done many wonderful works in your name. And Jesus Christ looks at him and he says, Okay, but depart from me. Why? You were not serviceable. You didn't offer yourself as a service to others. Suitable to others. You weren't benevolent, beneficial. You weren't useful. You want gentle to others. Depart from me. So today, I would like all of us to examine ourselves as we look at the kindness of God. I would like all of us, starting right here, to examine ourselves. Does this describe us? Are we kind in the way we love one another? So with that being said... I'd like you to turn back to the second book of the Bible, Exodus, starting in chapter 15. This is, of course, after the Lord has delivered the children of Israel from Egypt. Chapter 14, They Cross the Red Sea. Chapter 15, Moses leads them in a song of praise and worship. So they're worshiping the Lord, but it quickly turns. Starting in verse 22, it says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. And the people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? So the Lord has just delivered them. With ten glorious plagues and judgments on Egypt. And on all their false gods. He has just parted the Red Sea. He has just crushed their enemies and delivered them. But their rejoicing very quickly turned to complaining. Complaining is a very serious sin. Because all complaining is complaining against God. God, I don't like what you provided for me. I don't like this, God. We're exalting ourselves above God. I'm wiser than God. I know what's best for me. So now they're complaining. So verse 25 says, So he, being Moses, So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. So, interesting. So they're complaining against God. How would you respond? I know how I might respond. Did did I not just deliver you from Egypt? Did you not see the plagues? Did you not see what I did with the Red Sea? You walked through on dry land. I crushed your enemies. I've done all this for you. Now, three days later, because the waters are a little bitter, you're complaining against me? But that's not what we see. We see that the Lord was kind, He was serviceable to them. He came to meet their service. The God of the universe humbled Himself and came to meet them, to be benevolent, to be beneficial. Useful to them Go to chapter 16 it says And they journeyed from Elam And all the congregation of the children of Israel Came to the wilderness of Sin Which is between Elam and Sinai The fifteenth day of the second month After they departed from the land of Egypt Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel Complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. How quickly we will forget the kindness of the Lord and we turn to complain. But how does the Lord respond to this? Verse 3, And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. I mean, certainly the Lord, he's going to defend Moses and Aaron. He's like, wait a second. You don't talk to them like that. I sent them. Moses, I sent him to deliver you. And you guys are going to complain against him? But that's not how he responds. Verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day. We'll stop there. So again, we see the Lord. Here's the complaint. And he is kind. He is serviceable to them. He offers himself to their service as a waiter. You're hungry? I'm going to give you bread from heaven to eat. To meet your need. Many times we get the idea that the Lord only cares about the quote-unquote spiritual things. But no, the Lord cares about you. He cares about your need. He cares about what you eat. He cares about what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. He cares about you. Trust in Him. As Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Go to uh, chapter 17. Verse 1. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So now... After the Lord has made the bitter water sweet, after he has provided bread from heaven, they come to another situation and there's no water to drink. I mean, shouldn't they say, you know what, we don't have to worry about this. God has proven himself to us. He's proven that he's with us. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He is faithful. He's going to provide for our needs. We're just going to continue walking, doing his will. But that's not what happened. So verse 2, Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord and the people thirsted there for water and the people complained against Moses and said why is it you have brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst so Moses cried out to the Lord saying what shall I do with this people they are almost ready to stone me and the Lord said to Moses go on before the people And take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand the rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb. And you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of all the elders of Israel. So, again we see the lord caring for their needs this the third time and maybe a matter of weeks if that that they complained against the lord but the lord shows himself kind gentle useful suitable to meet their needs. This is the God we serve, brethren. This is the God we love, who loves us more than we love him. And when we aren't kind to one another, we aren't even kind to God most of the time. He is kind to us. And does not Scripture say? That we are to be imitators of God. That we are to put off the old man, which is corrupt through the lust of deceit. Put on the new man created in the image of God and true righteousness and holiness. This is our God and this is our model. Parents, with your children, are you kind? Husbands with your wives, wives with your husband, are you kind? Children with your siblings, your brother, sister, are you kind? Our God is kind. Now if you will, turn with me to the book of Numbers. So we got Leviticus, then Numbers. Numbers chapter 20. Moses, oh, excuse me, chapter 20, verse 1. Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the for- first month. And the people stayed at Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If we only had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought us to this assembly of the Lord in the wilderness, that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring to us to this evil place? Is it not a place of, or it is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates? nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes. Note that, speak to the rock, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Here now, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice. With his rod. So Moses. Is now disobedient. How should God respond now? The whole children of Israel. The whole congregation has been complaining against him. But now. His right hand man as it were. Is disobedient is God to say, I've been kind to you guys. I've led you through this wilderness. After delivering delivering you from Egypt, you guys have seen my wondrous works. You guys have seen my faithfulness, my love. But now not only you guys, but Moses has turned against me. I'm done with you guys. You guys are thirsty? Well, you know, start digging. You'll hit water. Maybe. Is that what God does? The end of verse 11. And water came out abundantly. And the congregation and their animals drank. Again, the kindness of our God. The God of the universe. It's one thing for one creature to be kind to another creature. It's a whole different thing for the God of the universe to be kind. To weak and feeble Sinful vessels of dust Like us There's a real sense that We should We should not be as surprised When he's kind to You know say the animals Or to creation Even though that's so Far below him You can say Because creation It's sinless Yes, it's fallen, but it's sinless. Animals, they don't sin. But you and I, every thought and every intent of our heart is at best, if you are a Christian, it's still tainted by your sin and only acceptable through Christ Jesus. And if you're not in Christ, Absolutely everything you do is completely sin. You have no hope. When you do a so-called good thing, you don't do it for the glory of the Lord. Therefore, it's completely sin. You have no motivation in your heart to do things for His glory. Yet, He is kind to you. He gives you breath. The only reason you exist right now because He's kind to you This is the kindness of our Lord. One more. Turn to chapter 21. Numbers 21, starting in verse 4. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around to the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. And our soul loathes or hates this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people. And many of the people of Israel died. You're like, finally, finally God does something. But I thought you were talking about his kindness. We are. The judgments of the Lord are actually a kindness. You know, we don't have time, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the people of God, they're they're playing around not taking the Lord's Supper seriously. And then, toward the end of the chapter, Paul kind of gives us a little insight on what? how God worked. He said. For this reason. Because you guys. Are treating the Lord's Supper. This is supposed to be about the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. You're making it some drunken feast. Because of that. Some of you are weak. Some of you are sick. And some of you are dead. So why would God kill Some of his own people. What Paul tells us. He says, if you judged yourselves, you would not be judged. But when you are judged, you are disciplined so that you may not be condemned with the world. That is a great kindness. Would you not rather lose your life in this world and go to heaven Or live it up in this world and go to hell. What's the kindness? God's judgments are very kind. So brethren, yes, our God's kind, but that doesn't mean there's nothing to fear. Not fear in the sense of running away from God, but fear in the sense that you know you're a sinner and you know you must cling to Him. You must fear your sin. You must fear the devil, but you have enough sin inside of you. The devil can go on vacation. And you'll still be just as much as a sinner. I know that because I am. And God in His kindness will not let you if you are truly His. As Hebrews says, if you're without discipline, that's because you're illegitimate. You're not His child. But if you are truly His... He is kind enough to go after you, to even take your life, rather than watch you go to hell. That's the fearful kindness of our Lord. But some of you who know your Bibles pretty well, you're like, Well, I know that these people, the children of Israel in the wilderness, that when God executed these judgments... They not only didn't enter into his physical rest, but they didn't enter into his spiritual rest. They were not saved. They went to hell. How is that a kindness? This is how it's a kindness. It's a kindness to you. It's kindness to me. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul tells us, speaking of the same group of people, he says, those things happened to them, For your instruction, for your warning, lest you be like them. That's a great kindness. This is the kindness of our Lord. But then, verse 7 says, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. God in his kindness shows up once again. The people repented, said, we have sinned. And God in his kindness rose up a bronze serpent that they may look to it and they may be healed. But this was not only speaking of this situation. See in John chapter 3. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. A religious leader. The teacher of the Jews. And he tells him. Just as Moses. Lifted up that serpent in the wilderness so the son of man must be lifted up and whoever believes on him will not perish whoever believes on him will have eternal life this the kindness of our god the kindness of our god sent his son his beloved son who paul says who existed in the very form of God, but did not count equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself. All of his heavenly privileges, he set them aside. And he came, not as a king, not as a rich man, not even... To a comfortable circumstance, he emptied himself and he came as a slave. He came, he was born in basically a stable. He emptied himself, came as a slave, was found in the appearance of a man. God sent God the Son to become a man. And he humbled himself, even to death, the death on the cross. And he was lifted up like that bronze serpent, that each one of us may look to him and be saved. We may look away from ourselves. We may look away from our circumstances. Why do we complain? Because it doesn't benefit me. It isn't going my way. We look at our circumstances. I don't like this. I'm going to complain. We look away from all that. We can look to Christ who was lifted up for us. Everyone in here, either you have looked to him and must continue to look to him or you haven't looked to him. You're still So self-absorbed. Your complaining, your happiness, everything, it's all based off your situation, all your circumstances, because it's all about you. And if it doesn't go your way, there's a problem. Look to Christ. He was lifted up, that you might look to him and be saved. And he says to everyone who is weary, who is tired, who is burdened by their sins. He says to them, come to me. Leave where you are. Stop looking at your situation, your circumstances. Stop looking at yourself. Stop living in your sin. He says, leave that, come to me. Look to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, heavy burdened by your sin. He says, I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. Yes, there is a yoke. What is a yoke? A yoke, we aren't farmers. So we, we don't use this language of yoke. A lot, but simply a yoke was what a farmer would use, and he would put on the neck of uh, one or two oxen so that they could pull the plow. So Jesus is saying, Yes, I have a yoke. It's not going to be like your sins that you've been burdened down by. It's not because you, if you're not in Christ, you are a slave of Satan, and he is a mean taskmaster. Jesus is like, look, you've been living under his yoke, but I have a yoke for you. He says, my yoke is, and most English translations will say easy. That word is actually our word, kind. My yoke is kind. My yoke is well suited for you. My yoke is gentle, it's benevolent. My yoke is serviceable. I'll come live in you, empower you, both to will and to do for my good pleasure. Jesus Christ is in a mean taskmaster. In Exodus chapter five, after Moses comes the first time to Pharaoh, And says let my people go. Well Pharaoh gets upset. And Pharaoh says okay this is what I'll do. I'm going to continue to command the people to make bricks. But I'm not going to give them straw. And then when they fail to produce the bricks. I'm going to have them beaten. Our Jesus isn't a master like that. He not only provides the straw, but He gives us His Word, which you can say is the instruction manual on how to make bricks. He gives us the straw of His Holy Spirit. He gives us His Word. It's like, come to me, my yoke. It's kind, it's well suited, it's gentle. I trust most of you in here know about the kind yoke of Christ. If he is kind to us, should we not seek to be kind, to imitate him? So brethren, I would encourage you, look to the kindness of God. When you read your Bible, don't just read it, oh, there's a nice story. Oh, God did some awesome things. No, look at God. Look at Christ. See their kindness. And as Paul says, let his kindness lead you to repentance. I know that's in the context of speaking to those who are not saved, but it's the same thing with us. Let his kindness towards us lead us to repentance. Lead us to emulate, to Um, try to imitate his kindness look to Christ be conformed to Christ as being conformed to an image of kindness for his yoke is kind for those of you who are not in Christ you want to live your own way It's all about you, right? You're the king of your life. You sit on the throne of your life. Perhaps you're like those we looked at at the beginning. You say, Lord, Lord. You want to put on this Christian facade, this Christian mask, but you aren't kind to others. You want people to be kind to you, but you have no love in your heart. Listen, Jesus Christ was lifted up as that serpent in the wilderness. And he says, Come to me. Come to me. I am a kind master. And let his kindness lead you to repentance. For he is kind to you right now. Even if like the children of Israel, you're constantly complaining against him. You're constantly disobedient to him. He is kind to you. His kindness, he's giving you breath. He gives life, breath in all things. That is the kindness of the Lord. The only reason your heart is beating right now is because God is being kind to you. Let his kindness lead you to repentance. Lead you to turn to him. And I pray that you will do that. This morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven. I thank you father for using such a pathetic fool as myself to speak of the kindness of our God the kindness of our Christ Father I have failed you oh how I have fallen short of preaching our kind God and our kind Christ as I are. But I pray that you would be pleased to use the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. I pray that you would save. I pray that you would open the eyes of any one of us who is deceived, calling Jesus our Lord, yet having no kindness, no love in our hearts. I pray that my brothers, my sisters. I grow in kindness, being conformed to God, being conformed to Christ in all of their relationships, oh God. Starting right here in my own heart. I thank you for helping me now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.